So yeah, I kind of that's the like that. Oh, my shoulder just popped. Um, Fuck. All right. This is a fast rugby podcast with a live injury. Yeah. <laughs> injury updates. Yeah, that's Stop right. the clock. Stop the clock. So hopefully, oh jeez. Yeah. It's injury time now. <laughs> <is there? laughs> so yeah, hopefully you're on. Hopefully you're on. I'm Nehemiah. And I'm Jack Dolan. And today we have a very special guest, a sometimes comedian from South Africa, Mr. Neil Green. How are you getting on, man? What's happening, chaps? How are you doing? I'm good, 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 good. I mean, like, you've suffered with us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> eventually, we will get to the stage where we know what we're doing in terms of editing. It won't be today. <laughs> yeah. Um, so come here, tell me, how are you doing man, how so, you're sat here, and look, we'll call a spade a spade, you're wearing your spring clocks jersey, Yes. and a lot of this talk is going to be about the World Cup. 100%, you see I, I came, I pinned my colours to the mast, literally, so I anticipated that uh, the Irish boys might want to have a conversation about where it went wrong, because that's all they're interested in, you don't want to know where it went right for this ring box. You just want to kind of have this like, uh, <laughs> you'll keep being there, keep having these like kind of like small caucus meetings off the way now. How could it have gone differently? It's simple. Shouldn't have beaten us in the group stage. Wouldn't have played the season. In the quarterfinals. Would have been fine. I mean, listen, that's, uh, that, that, that point might stand. Uh, yeah, true, yeah. But I will say, having gone to that game, that yeah. was without doubt the best rugby match I was ever at. It was oh, incredible. Yeah. Mm. That should have been the final. It should have been, yeah. And I will spend the rest of my days crying about how it wasn't the fucking <laughs> final. <laughs> nah, really. Actually, both quarterfinals. Because even, like, France by South Africa. Yeah, France, yeah. So, like, oh, that was painful for me. <laughs> oh, you, are, you support the French, eh? I, I, love, I, love, uh, I love France, yeah. It's a great team. Well, to be fair, I also love South Africa. And that was the... So, part of me was happy, part of me was sad. So, it was, uh, in a way, I, uh, I'm glad both... Uh, w- at least one of them uh, went through. No, in retrospect, it was weird that we had those two matches as quarterfinal yeah. fixtures. Oh, yeah. As you said, either of those could have been fine. They were final quality matches. I think so. Yeah, they were great, they were, yeah. Like, that was what killed me. Like, I'm getting really, really sick of seeing, like, generation era defining matches that are the greatest of all time where my team fucking loses. <laughs> 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 I'm, real, yeah. I'm real sick. It's always next time, Don't. Yeah. Always next time, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Always next time, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, man, so you obviously, I'm assu- look, I'm assuming you were pretty happy when you guys won it. Oh yeah, but the, both weekends before that, like I went through it. Like, you know, <laughs> uh, listen, the amount of stress and tension that I went through, mm. you know, a uh, respect of one point victories was, <laughs> <laughs> was, was, was a lot. And it was nice because like I'm far away from home. 
you know yeah even i would have loved to have been you you were you were in france you said i was yeah i was in uh, i was in paris for the two ireland games would you know when things were good oh yeah. Won both <laughs> games? oh yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> and we were convinced everything was going to go our way. I was there for those ones. <laughs> no, but like you, so you know how nice it is to be in the stadium, right? And oh, it's like that's insane. In South Africa, even if they were playing the World Cup in South Africa, like I wouldn't ordinarily have money to go watch a test match. Like it's expensive, you know? It is, yeah. But, so we do. I broke it, me. But like, that's the thing. Like, we would have been at least been in the fan park. Mm. So it felt weird to be so disconnected. But like, within my small family unit, like, yeah. The joy was palpable. Like it was really, it was nice to be connected to other people from like other South Africans all around the world. In yeah, world. yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah, I think yeah. What really bothers me about that South African team is how fucking likable some of them are. <laughs> yeah, no, no, the lovely people. Yeah, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're so wholesome. It's uh, so it's offensive. <laughs> I wish I could have more of an issue with the team that actually went out and fucking did it. Like, I. Yeah, no, they were great. I think, uh, I don't know where they found Sia Khaleesi because he seems to be like, I don't know, I don't know if there's like a, like a, like a, if we were to have a world dictatorship, I'd put him in charge and see what he could do for it. Yeah, like, but you know what it is? We, we've, we've always been good with good captains. Mm. Like, yeah. And I think, I, you know what, I think most international rugby teams are very good with that, like finding people that, aside from the sport, just, let's talk about rugby as a sport, right? Mm -hmm. I think, and Careful of throwing into Marvel gadgets here. Don't be careful. But like rugby teams in general, I see, I feel like attracts like people. Like you been to like, like a, a soccer match? Yeah. 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 You been to a soccer match? It's mm -hmm. a different vibe than when you yeah. go to a rugby match. Like I like both. You guys have probably said I like soccer more than rugby, but there's something about rugby that like I don't know, man. Especially in the South African context, mm. we always get there and it's just like. There's this togetherness, and see Kalisi definitely he embodies mm. that. It's like we found a guy that is the most like how can I put like he's a lightning rod for positive feelings. Yeah, he really yeah, is. He, it is. Yeah, he is. And it's like rugby in general. When you're in the stadium, it's this nice thing. It's like it's yeah. one moving mass of people. And he's like rugby Jesus. He's like rugby Jesus. <laughs> I will say this is becoming less and less. That 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 compliment is becoming less and less valuable as this is the third person you've described as rugby Jesus. Look, I mean, uh, you know how the how the Greeks have many gods. I mean, it's, it's the same for. Jesus, uh, what's what, what's many Jesuses? What you, were, what you mentioned there about uh, the kind of that communal sense of the fans all being together or whatever and kind of like being in the stadium being so great so there was two things that happened in the Ireland South Africa game yeah um, one the South Africans were really fucking nice like yeah. all the South Africans I were chatting to were which really came like, across right? they were yeah. great so we were in a we were in a pub in the rugby district in Paris uh, I think it's called really rugby I can't remember but uh, it's got loads of rugby style bars or whatever, and one of them was called Eden Park. Oh, oh yeah, I that's um, that's a uh, one of the French internationals from the '80s started that brand. Yeah. So I forgot his name. I forgot his name, but he played in like for France in the '80s. Yeah. Um, yeah, he played for like really. Well, because they they play a test match in uh, in New Zealand. Back in back in the day, so and then so he decided to name his like fashion brand after the the stadium. 
Yeah, so he and he's very one of those like really more flamboyant French players who played for like Racing in the eighties. And back in the eighties, was like they were they were called like they were nicknamed something like the uh, the rock stars, the showbiz, uh, the showbiz. They called uh, they, they would uh, go up, they would turn up at matches in like bow ties and or like if they play in the Basque Country, they play like, the web berets and that kind of stuff. But they would play some fa- fabulous rugby, so no. and they sort of like epitomized that period of like French flair. He was like, we must bring steroids to the country. <laughs> now, but for real, like, junk, junk culture is like really, really big in South Africa. Yeah. And obviously, the ugly side of that is that mm. there would be lots of. Uh, like, you be in the gym, like, I'm, you can tell by looking at you, you're not the most average gym goer, right? But the few times where I feel like it's New Year's, I need to get in the gym. And, like, you just start and you're like, ah, what you need to do is you need to take half a gram of effort and I'm like, hey, what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just here to walk on the thing on the treadmill for a bit. I just want to make sure that I'm not dead at 45. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. Control my cholesterol. I don't need to know <laughs> what's the on-off cycle for the creatine. 19, no, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, let's go back to that World Cup. So uh, you got. How much were you shitting it when uh, England were ahead with like 10 minutes to go? <laughs> you know, I was so mad. Like the England game, like with the with the France game, I felt like there was a bit of arrogance with the French. Like the French team were really riding high, playing at home, yeah. playing fantastic rugby, mm. and I feel like they thought 
that they were going to outplay us. And in a lot of ways, they did outplay us. Like, did, yeah. To be honest, right? Mm. But there was the charge down kick, which was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. if you could have seen South African social media, after that, <laughs> like how many times that like played out, like it was a big deal. So we kind of eked out, just kind of just got over the line in that match. Right? Yeah, yeah. England, where did their arrogance come from? Because if they had just played clean rugby, they would have beaten us convincingly, honestly. Yeah, yeah. They are, I'm telling you, like five, five points at least that have beaten us by. Mm. They were taking kickable points and going for corners. Like, what are you, what are you doing? What are you We're doing, saying? yeah, yeah. Like, that's a... <laughs> when you when you have the entire field covered by Peter Septuatois. Bro, like, we were clear. You, you could have looked at our bench and saw what kind of game we were trying to play. Yeah, yeah. Why, why would you play into that? Yeah, 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 take your points. Often yeah. you had seen the France game, you should have known these boys are, are wild. When, when they start calling for scrums on, on, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. on clean catches, like, oh my God. when you call calling uh, for scrums, you that's should genius. know that's what they want to do. Yeah. So the England game was weird because I was very happy that we won it. But to be honest, if they had taken any of those kickable points, yeah, oh, we, should have, we should have lost that game. Like, but this, like, that's, that, that game was... I, I remember watching it because I watched... Obviously, Ireland, New Zealand uh, fell into a pit of despair. Uh, <laughs> woke up the next morning. I was like, all right, I'm going to put everything behind France. South Africa beat France. And then I'm like, can't bring, it. <laughs> yes, like, can't bring myself to support England. We're going all behind South Africa. And then South Africa started to lose. And I was like, am I the problem? <laughs> <laughs> it feels like you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah like, no, that was, as I said, those games were anguish to sit through. But it was weird because there was points where I was getting crossed with England's strategic decision. Like, what are you, like it's yeah. my idea, what are you doing? Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. Weird to watch, but I mean, obviously I'm over the moon that we won. Yeah. That was great. Did you do anything to celebrate the win? Oh, I mean, I was, I, I had booked myself into work 7 a.m. the next morning. And let me just say, we have a, a, a shooter that we make, it's called a Springbok. Yeah, okay. and a springbok is creme de menthe. How do you say that? Like yeah. French? Is that, is that yeah, 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 yeah. Peppermint liqueur. <laughs> That's the word. Right? And then you top it up. It's supposed to be amarula, but we didn't have amarula, so I'm in Ireland. So Bailey's cream. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I had. Listen, I don't know. I don't think anybody from my work is listening to this, but I feel like when I went, nobody in, listens to this. <laughs> I feel like when I went into work for like the first two hours I was in in the morning, that's, I was just breathing. Like I could see my breath. You ever seen your breath? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was. It was so, still, it was solid. <laughs> oh, my wife and I were turning up like for real. We had a shocking amount of those after the game. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I felt the same as well. Like uh, I wanted to cry. Emotional. <laughs> uh, like also like in the lead up to the day, right? So what happened was that uh, in the morning I I watched like the last episode of Chasing the Sun. Oh. Just to get a, a really good cry in, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been through a lot, you know. Like, uh, so I watched Sun and then uh, I decided to go to a uh, like one of those. Um, Vintage uh, clothes place because, uh, because I have a friends uh, have friends there right just want to check out some uh, buy some check out something I bought myself like a trench coat you know to treat myself you know and length what length trench coat did you go for well it's just uh, sort of like uh, just like a, a beige one like just. Oh, okay. it's a gadget vibe. Sort of that vibe, you know what I mean. Um, and then I bought like for food as to make dinner for for the match and that kind of stuff. Just you know, just get, get, treat myself, you know. Little treat, yeah. Little little treat, just to get ready for for, for the for the big game, you know. And uh, yeah, like uh, the moment when um, yeah, so uh, when the when the referee blew the, the final whistle, so I was like, 
my God, you know, this must be what it's like to be South African. <laughs> <laughs> if you were on our side, you know what it felt like, you know, those minutes when it was past 80 minutes. Yeah. We're eating to, like, to try and get control back of the ball. Oh, it was, like, I can feel it now still. Yeah. yeah. I just, like, that, um, that moment uh, that I heard on the TV when um, Artie Savelle went, like, we're going for, the, he went to the ref, he was like, let's just, he's like, just to know, we're going for this ball. I was like, I don't know what they're about to produce here. Like, at the best of times, ballsy claim against a South African scrum, but my God, they really, really flung at it. And uh, yeah, uh, that was, as again, as a neutral who, who, who seems to curse any teams he supports, uh, <laughs> I was like, oh God, I can't have, I, 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 I can't see New Zealand win this. Like, not after... Not after because New Zealand were shit talking us the entire way through it, uh-huh. and like they were kind of like, uh, I hate when someone shit talks me. Yeah, especially from a because you can't even feel mad yeah. about it. Yeah, know? especially from a Kiwi as well. The, you know the way they talk is very like uh, very very dry. You know, like the very subtle. Like, oh yeah, bro. Yeah, we just come play some uh, some nice footy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's only Ireland, bro. I was telling you later on about the, the, the weird relationship between New Zealand and South Africa. Um, oh yeah, from a fan perspective. How do you guys get on? Yeah. Oh, no, we, we get on fine. I mean, we played in the Tri Nations together for a long time. So between us, us Australia and New Zealand, in the rugby sense, there's, there's a nice rivalry. And I have a couple of stories about that as well. But the weird thing is, did you know that there's a big population of South Africans down in Cape Town that support the All Blacks? What? Yes. So when the All Blacks play in Cape Town, you look out into the, <laughs> you look out into the stadium. Yeah. Right, when you look out at Newland Stadium, yeah, you'd see like New Zealand overrepresented, and that's because there's a big, big population of people down in Cape Town that support the All Blacks ahead of the South African national team. Is there a reason for this? Yeah, goes back to apartheid. Oh, yeah, uh, when um, the South African rugby team went on tour, mm. when this was still going on, they went on tour to New Zealand, and New Zealand people like lined the roads. Was a rebel team and they lined the roads and they were like, no, we are not letting this match go on. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was so. And a lot of the people down in Cape, Cape Town people seem to care about rugby more than we do. So a lot of like the black and what we call colored people down in South Africa cared about rugby yeah. a lot at the time, and they were emotional about that tour happening. So yeah. when they saw the New Zealand population come out and physically stop the team from playing, mm-hmm. they yeah. were like, ah, that's our allies. Yeah, and they yeah. kind of just. It's, so it's passed down almost to another generation now of people that really appreciate that moment in rugby mm. where there were people in Cape Town that wanted to play for the national team but couldn't play for the national team yeah. because of apartheid and they just felt it was a really emotional thing mm. for them to see how that tour was stopped and they support them till today that's a uh, I, I just I, I'm trying to imagine what final day in Cape Town was like <laughs> yeah it's, it's, I promise you like, there's lots of people like as I said my social media is still very much South African in the way it is and there was lots of people posting on the day saying ah I want New Zealand to win yeah yeah. you ever see South Rugby podcast I cannot encourage people enough to go watch a 30 for 30 documentary yeah. called The 16th Man yeah about the uh, 1995 oh yeah yeah i've seen that before yeah yeah seen it and it's mad <laughs> like how much rugby is mixed into the politics and the day-to-day life of mm. South africans yeah to watch that is i mean it's amazing it's in my top three 30 for 30s ever like, yeah it's really really good 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, we all we all knew that the uh, the '95 World Cup was won by Matt Damon and Morgan Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah but to, to watch that play out and to see how many South Africans didn't want the yeah. South African rugby team to win in 1995. Yeah. Yes, and the reasons why the Springbok team is very linked to racial identity yeah. and oppression. In, so the Springbok, in a lot of ways, to some people is a symbol yeah. of yeah. oppression. I, I'm happy to say many years later on now like that feeling doesn't hold anymore and that's why we feel like especially passionate about it because yeah. for the longest time the springbok identity was tied to that oppressive regime yeah so that's why a lot of people didn't want them to win in 1995 because it felt like ju- like justification because yeah. that was our first world cup back yeah yeah and that team i mean come on we had chester williams doing Heavy lifting. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a great player, RIP, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So a lot of people didn't want their team to win. As I'm, go watch the documentary, they'll tell it way better. A lot of people were against Mandela for coming out in that moment. Like, oh, it was yeah. a controversial thing. Yeah. yeah. For him to come out and wear the number six jersey, the front of a pinot jersey, mm. that was a controversial moment in yeah. South African history for him to do that. Yeah, I remember, I remember I was saying, uh, was it Francois Pinot in his uh, post-match interview, where it was like... Uh, um, something like uh, we did not have the support of sixty-three thousand South Africans today. We had the uh, support of uh, forty-three million South Africans. <laughs> he said that, and it felt good for him to say that. And I'd say that's true now. Mm. But yeah. at that time, that wasn't true. Like lots of people felt like Mandela was selling us out by standing there yeah. on that podium, being in the stadium in that moment. And uh, it's a big thing for the uni- for how sport unifies yeah. and how the positive of rugby, especially in our country that that's not the feeling anymore. But in that moment, bro, it was, it was, it was, you let a touch paper by doing that. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's a tricky, tricky moment. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I remember watching um, like the first episode of the uh, Chasing the Sun, uh, because that's the one, that was sort of the first and the last episode were the only one you could watch like for free. <laughs> Online, you c- I couldn't find the full production. What? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't find uh, the full series anywhere. That's that's yeah. uh, that's that was see, it. You get the first. See, this is how it started. This is how it ends. Yeah, fuck the middle of it. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, everyone knows how it ends. <laughs> you know. I watched that. That's a really weird advertising campaign. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I'm watching, and because they were interviewing uh, Rasi Erasmus, and you know, there was yeah. he was talking about like because there was a whole big issues in South African rugby regarding like uh, you know like. Implementing some sort of diversity quota, having like certain numbers of like players up, like they uh, need a lot of shit for that. Like, yeah, they really got like properly like. But uh, do you not see a Khaleesi still get shits about that now? Like a lot of people feel like he shouldn't be playing for the team. No, yeah. like he's favored playing for the team because. I mean, it's fine. He's only like the best six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's not losing any sleep. Any sleep, no. We'll take him. We'll take him. <laughs> no, but, but as I'm saying, it's it's been great to see how sport. The role that it played and how, like yeah. now in South Africa, against a small percentage of people on either side of it, but for the most part, like, yeah, we are very proud of this. Yeah, yeah. It's a big deal for us because it shows our progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like in when he when he when they mentioned that he was talking about how like uh, when he first got the coaching job, sure. the first thing he did was just be a, just just to be uh, open about the whole diversity thing like just yeah. well, what they call um, transformation in South Africa just just be open uh, about it and uh, yeah because a lot of it was because uh, before then it was just like you just put in one two black players and everything was seems okay yeah 
Just let him sit on the bench. <laughs> Don't worry too much. Don't worry too much. But in this case, he, let's just be having an open discussion and uh, let's uh, work towards uh, certain. Uh, let's work towards uh, a certain goal. And I think that was uh, and that was great. That's great about the Springbok team. It's just the accountability and transparency within the team yeah. and the open communication. Because we've been learning lessons over the, as I said, over decades now, not years. Yeah. Over decades, learning about transparency and speaking and communicating. And it's been good. I think as well as that, like it's kind of um, the success that the team has had has kind of it's kind of it's a weird one because like like the, like the initial issue like the initial backlash the diversity quota got yeah has been completely like you just expose it to light and it falls apart like the, the the team now has so many players who probably wouldn't have gotten the same look in without it and they're much exactly. better squad for it right? yeah. exactly that that's exactly that yeah but i mean we still have some on the earlier episode, you all were talking about something that I wanted to get in very involved with, oh, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. He's and a big fan. I'm, yeah, I'm a big fan. But like, You're one of our listeners. <laughs> I'm one of our listeners. Yeah, there's like four of you. <laughs> Two of us. <laughs> <us. laughs> but like, that was a big thing as well. Like, You know when you talk about um, the way that the quotas were handled mm-hmm. at one stage? Like, like, I'm telling you, it's been good for the team overall for it to happen. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of people that felt like it was forcing for it to happen. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's weird to like try. For example, Peter De Villiers became our coach at one point, right? Oh, yeah. And when Peter De Villiers became coach, a lot of people felt like, ah, he's been appointed as the coach because there was time for a black coach kind of a thing, right? Yeah. yeah. He has the highest winning percentage of any Springbok coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, he didn't win major honors, but I mean, like in the day, but like the way that he worked, like, he worked under the pressure of the politics. Mm. Of the position, yeah, and yeah. we learned from that. Now, I don't think that would happen now, but I'm saying that wasn't that long ago, and it's weird because I think quotas are important, but quotas are also linked. And here's the thing you're always talking about: quotas are linked to rugby schools, yeah, because that's the thing. Like they don't pick you. Rugby is a sport, cricket more so, but rugby is very guilty of you have to come from a specific kind of school. So those schools will do a good job of going out to communities and getting players into the schools. Yeah. But if you don't go to a specific school, so there's classism, elitism, mm. and racism. Yeah. All kind of mixed into this, this is unholy trinity, right? No, yeah. <laughs> it's so, so you have players like... Who Brian, of a t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> so you have players like Brian Abana who mm. absolutely, obviously deserve his place in the team. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. But would he have gotten his place in the team if he didn't come to the school system that he came to? Yeah. yeah. You see, and that's a problem. To go back to my market, that's your point of early on. All right. Let me ask you this question. Because mm-hmm. I've seen this in Ireland, but I want to hear from you how yeah. you feel, right? Do you feel like there's some elitism and classism around rugby? Oh, fucking course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's my, like, it's the thing I take the most issue with in rugby. Well, yeah, it's it, it, to be honest, it is. It's what bothers me about rugby is that it's kind of it's facilitated by classism, but it also really embraces it. Sure. It, yeah. You know, like it's trying to shake away some of those those old things, but you see it a lot in how that old adage of uh, rugby is a hooligan game played by gentlemen, football is a gentleman's game played by hooligans. That's just fucking. That's naked classism. Sure. Yeah. And it's the rugby values of like oh we're all gentlemen we're all whatever and then you hear them talk about uh, ah fuck it 
in Dublin, you hear about people talking about people from the north side and the north side schools, or you hear about people talking about whatever, and then you hear about Limerick being talked about. Like, there's massive classism. I think it's, it feels like it's getting better because I think progress is happening in general. But like, of yeah. course, man, there's no way that you couldn't, there's no way you could look at rugby and not say there's a class issue. Sure. And like, I don't know, like in terms of how you address it. I'm, I don't know, I, I'm at a loss because in the Irish context, it's pretty similar to the South African context. The school system is how you become a pro. Mm. Yes. And like, that's because, like, access to the, like, the access to resources and stuff, the money that they can pump into it. Yes. And then the fact that you've got the kids in a place for, what, eight hours, nine hours a day? Like, yeah. You can really fucking schedule them. You can, you can schedule their days so they can just become pro athletes. Sure. If you've got other commitments or responsibilities in your life because you don't come from an affluent background of course it's going to be a more difficult sport 100% yeah. and the children in those schools in the South African context not sure yeah it's very different yeah. but in South Africa they're getting proper nutrition no, yeah, they're yeah. getting access like some of them are juicing I'll be honest with you they start juicing yeah, no, early there no. but basically they're being fast tracked to be rugby ready mm. from like five years before you finish school yeah. yeah you know so you clearly have an advantage from somebody that comes from a school that doesn't have yeah, yeah, but that's why I like the uh, one reason I support France because of the the way rugby is played uh, uh, over there. Yeah, that's what you were saying. Yeah, yeah it's like because uh, because school sports is not a thing in um, well in, in the French context, but also like in mainland Europe uh, in general, because right. it's a school sports. Uh, it's more of, it's basically more of a British. Uh, so it's more a British thing in any way or in any place that will, will influence by by British you know through colonialism and whatnot um, but that's why I mean like uh, so the sports tend to be played in local clubs obviously some schools would offer like PE lessons and and well but if you want to play like a proper sport you have to join a sporting club usually outside outside of the school and you and and anyway it's kind of beneficial you know, because you, not only because uh, it's something to do outside of school but also you don't you're not restricted within that environment anyway right um, and also, you meet like people of uh, people from various backgrounds and and whatnot, and that kind of widens your worldview. Hundred percent. Being a well-rounded person can only help, you know. Yeah. But and here's the thing. Now I'm going to be contentious and go back on what I'm saying because, <laughs> <laughs> like, as much as I agree with that, yeah, I started off by saying this, so I'm going to commit to it, right? Mm -hmm. I love soccer, football as well. Right? Yeah. But I've been to soccer games and I kind of do see what like the rugby pricks say. That's not untrue. Like, it's not untrue. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rugby No, but like it's like that classism and elitism that I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is kind of this thing like I like soccer. So when I got here, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna support bowls, right? And then I was like, yeah, bowls. And then I went to bought tickets for a cup final. Oh, randomly the parts came <laughs> and I didn't even get to the stadium we got as far as and like literally the boys started with flares and throwing shits at the bus and everything mm. before we got into the stadium and my daughter she was nine years old at the time yeah I was like yeah yeah I'm actually not gonna <laughs> yeah. actually not gonna go in there yeah you know like I changed my mind on the road outside I was like yeah okay leave that yeah you know and so there is kind of so I've been to South Africa I love the South African national football team as well. Yeah, yeah. I went to a football match once and I was trying to get in at the turnstiles yeah. to go into the match, right? Yeah. And I don't know what happened and they opened the turn, they didn't check my ticket. 
But the scary part was the crash that happened when they opened the gates. There was oh, no, shit. there was absolutely nobody overseeing it, right? Mm. I went inside that stadium on my tippy toes. Like, I was trying to keep my feet because I would have been crushed otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I got carried into the stadium. And I kind of landed in a heap on the other side of the turnstile. And, like, I sat there catching my breath. And I was like, one of the scariest, it was only a couple of seconds. Yeah, yeah. But, like, the scariness of that moment. And it's like, that would, I'll be honest with you, that wouldn't happen at a rugby game. Yeah. No. Well, it's kind of like that complete lack of control is fucking terrifying in general. Yeah. And then like. Yeah. I yeah I mean. I think there's a little bit of like the uh, kind of a self fulfilling prophecy almost with some of this stuff because I sure. think like I think what football has like yeah football in general has kind of taken on this uh, this desire to be more of a kind of like in the trenches us versus them in the sense people embed themselves into it a bit more than like more than rugby yeah, yeah. like you could argue that's yes. deeper yeah. fandom or you could argue that's whatever yeah but like um it taps into like that like neanderthal tribalism tribalism yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a real thing yeah. well i went to like i went to so tottenham hotspurs versus Fulham, right yeah in london wembley, derby, right? london derby in yeah. the wembley stadium two of the poshest teams with the poshest fan bases yeah and they were given it large and it was like they were like you you couldn't you, they were like the seats were segregated you couldn't get anywhere near the away fans away fans couldn't get anywhere near us but we were sat like on the barrier yeah. so on our left was the fulham fans and we were with the Tottenham fans this is like in terms of like in terms of rivalries this is the poshest one like the, the, yes. the gdp the average <laughs> the average take-home pay of that crowd was higher than any other sporting event. Yeah. <laughs> and you like in like one of those gentrified parts of like one of the poshest cities in Europe. You yeah. know? And they were losing their fucking minds yeah. at each other. And then we went in to try like obviously we were tourists, we just picked up tickets or whatever. We try to get a beer after the game and like they they checked their tickets before we could get into a pub. And I was having to, I was having to say to them, I was like, Can you not hear the accent? We're like yeah, yeah. I'm not involved in any of this. I'm a tourist. You know, I don't care about the I don't care about the posh West versus the posh North London rivalries. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. I'm I'm, I'm being careful with my comments here, but I'm also calling it like how it is. It is weird and I've observed yeah. both of it as being a fan. I think people. yeah, I think there's a desire, I think in some senses, to like uh, we kind of like the, the, the hooliganism of football was glorified for about like the 80s hooliganism and the 90s hooliganism mm-hmm. was taken as a they're real club men like they sure. put yeah. and I think like rugby lost a lot of that again it's because it's very posh but like I also like I don't know man it's a weird one it's kind of I think that's there's it's like anything man there's dickheads in a crowd who can ruin fucking everything like I remember which which final did you go to? The was it this year or was it like? I didn't go. This yeah. was we were in Ballsbridge when the drama started. Mm. Yeah. It started outside an Oli's bistro, <laughs> and the drama starts. I was like, yeah, no, I'm gonna leave. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just tapped out. I just said, never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I like, yeah. There is that. I think I don't know, man. I, I, again, I think it's a desire to seem like like hard men and like, oh, we're big club men. This is our yeah. this is our tribe. Because I remember, like, I was in a. Um, do you remember I was telling you about the fact when I show up to sporting events, my teams lose? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was at Leinster versus Saracens uh, in the final of the Champions Cup in 2019, and I bought my tickets separate to my friends, so it was me and a sea of red of just Saris fans. And then I got up and I started chatting loads for Leinster, 
and I was getting these very posh Londoners looking at me, and I was like, I'm the only guy in blue here, I gotta make noise. They started buying me drinks. You see, they, yeah, yeah. in a football situation, you would not want yeah. to be that guy. Yeah. Like, I promise you, like, you'd have to hide your colors, and I've, I'm not talking about what I heard, I'm talking about what I've seen, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. in that situation, so, again. I think it's, I think it's a little bit of a, it's, it's, it's kind of expectation, and we kind of, because we don't challenge it, like, because, like, one of the key examples, like, women's football, yes. doesn't have this problem. No. So it's not like it's not like a sport thing so much as it's a fucking dudes trying to be macho thing. I think. Yeah. It is, yeah, masculinity, you know, toxic uh, masculinity, you know. But uh, yeah, it's it's it's, it's funny. That's uh, sort of the irony of uh, rugby in a way, like how uh, uh, it's a very aggressive uh, contact sport, but it's played by uh, people who would like essentially uh, rule the country. <laughs> In, a, in the next few few years or so, because you know, if, like back in Vietnam, because uh, when we when we say when we think of like posh sport, we think of like tennis. Yeah, tennis is a posh sport. Yeah, it is a very it's, it's the ultimate uh, posh sport. Yeah, but uh, you know, like whereas like rugby is like men going to war literally. Okay. Whereas like it's so it doesn't really make sense just because you you put some, you I think it's because of like this whole notion of uh, having to uh, institutionalize everything. Putting it in an organized uh, organized setting, that it makes it seem like oh, it's, it's only certain people can play it. Sure. But you, but then again, you like you go to France, you go to Fiji, or even Madagascar. It's not it's not the case. It's just a uh, it's just a, a sport. Uh, it's played by people who like to prove a point. And it's weird, like, just building on what you just said right now, I wasn't really into rugby growing up. I played a bit in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I played for Wanta. I played for Mr. Miller's rugby team, and I liked it and everything. Mm-hmm. But I then found out, you know, like if you, if you reasonably big and reasonably fast, you can get along with most sports, like if you just throw yourself about. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I could kind of play football and I could kind of play rugby. I was a decent fullback, maybe less than decent, but I was good enough to start for the school team. So we did, and then I got hurt at a rock, like I really, really got oh, hurt yeah. at a rock. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm too pretty. <laughs> like none of, none of this happens. <laughs> There's more girls watching the soccer anyway. I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> Nobody's leaving. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I lived. So I lived so like, I, I mean, Mr. Miller kind of wanted me. I saw him as an adult and he was like, yeah, we're starting our over 35 team. And I was like, no, I literally <laughs> played for you for like two months in 1997. I am not playing anymore. How no. much of an impression did you make in 97? And then nice. he's like, Neil's on the fucking team. <laughs> I was handy. <laughs> but, but that's what I'm saying. So like, and I never cared about the sport much for my whole life. And then a friend of mine, was playing for the Sharks. The Sharks is Oh yeah, Sharks great. Oh, that's my local team. Like um, Are you are you from Durban? Right? I'm from Durban. Yeah. So okay. big Sharks man. As I say, I ended up becoming one of those fans. Season mm-hmm. ticket holder. All at the weird family day events and every if it was happening I was there. Like Sorry. big sharks man. But Who I was your friend. Uh, no he never now my friend didn't make it to a high level, right? Oh, okay. But like when he was playing, he told me, yo, we playing with this guy called JP Peterson. You have to come see this guy. Oh, J- yeah, JP. JP was 18 at the time. And he was like, yo, 
It's him and his cousin. His cousin was Dusty Noble, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And he was like, yo, you have... It turns out he's, JP's uncle is Christy Noble, who was a shark swinger back in the early 90s, who even though I wasn't interested in that time, when they were the Banana Boys, I knew him because he was dating the lady next door. <laughs> and he would come in his grey jetter too. But anyway, let's leave Christy out of it, right? <laughs> and so JP is Christy Noble's nephew, and Dusty, I think, is the son. And he told me, you have to come see these guys mm. play rugby. And I was like, ah, oh, right, I'm not really interested. He's like, man, just come watch them one time and then you tell me at that time they weren't playing for sharks yet they were playing for jaguars who are my local club. oh yeah oh yeah uh, nice jaguar story for later so my local club was jaguars right mm-hmm. and i went to watch them play at jaguars and when you saw jp peterson play as a teenager like the raw <laughs> i'll be honest with you he's maybe he didn't have the most illustrious mm-hmm. international career mm-hmm. even, he has a Super 14 record, so I can't say that he had... Jamie Peterson, sorry. Uh, yeah. for, for the OGs who played Rugby 2011 on, like, Xbox 360... <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. He was fucking class! <laughs> it was great, yeah, yeah. yeah he scored 14 tries in the Super 14. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. like, he set the record. Mm. For, oh, yeah. Like, he was really, 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 really good. Mm. And the first time I saw him play... I don't know how many times in a sport like you get to see like somebody play that's just different. Mm. Like you go out there and there's 30 players all together at the same time and there's one guy that is just clearly different to what was happening out there. So when I saw him playing, I was like, no. And immediately, like he went through Sharks Under 21. Mm -hmm. He was in Sharks Under 21 maybe for a week and then he went went into the team. And I remember I, I got tickets from work. I didn't even pay for the tickets. I got tickets from work at that time. And I went to watch, and Stefan de Blanche had just come oh. back from Ospreys. Oh, yeah, yeah, de Blanche, yeah. Yeah, and so like he came back like in his mid-30s to late-30s. And I'm watching him warm up, like I'm sitting here, and like he kicked the ball so fast. Like, what's going on? It was like my limited rugby knowledge. Yeah. I came just to see JP Peterson. <laughs> and then Stefan de Blanche came to warm up, and I was like, oh my god, who is this old Bali? You know, like, <laughs> who is this guy? Because he was just warming up and just booting the ball like an in ordinate distance down the field. I was like, mm. what is happening here? And I just happened to land on that team. Like that team is so special to me. That yeah. Sharks team. Yeah. Butch James. Oh, Butch James. Oh. Bro. Bradley Barrett, who now plays for England. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, Brad Barrett. <laughs> he, yeah, he, yeah. Plays, he plays for fucking Saracens. Yeah. yeah. No, he's not that game that we fucking lost. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I saw, so that first season that I went to watch it, yeah. it was Brad Barrett, Butch James, and Wayne Murray in the midfield. Hmm. Unbelievable rugby. I saw them tackle Isaiah Toweva and like the Blues at their most imperious. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw them shatter them. <laughs> like, do you know like the, the, the intensity and the aggression in that team? Yeah. It's like everybody was young and didn't know any better and then you had these yeah. really, really veteran players. Yeah. Like Butch James and Stefan Sablanche mm-hmm. and Percy Montgomery later on. Oh, Montgomery. Bro, like the... The golden, lo- the, the golden locks and everything. Guys, to like go from not caring about rugby at all to watching that team that year just go absolutely mental. And then there was another youngster that came into the team, Franz Stein. Oh, for fuck's sake. Like, it was just so intense. Yeah. Still the youngest World Cup final point scorer, I think. Yeah. yeah. It went hot. Like, to go to, like, for that to be my proper, as I said, I knew rugby. For a long time before and i watched us win the, the world cup 95 i enjoyed all that mm. but that was when i got into it and it was like just like a switch and it was yeah. that team yeah that captured me like they went and they were it was just 
the most brutal, beautiful rugby mm. up till today. I don't think you could kind of replicate yeah. that mix of players. That was a, that's a real special team. It is, yeah. I mean, like, I remember, uh, I remember the South Africans being in, uh, in Super Rugby, you know, they, they added something special. Yeah, you had, you know, the Stormers, the, yeah. the Sharks, and the Lions. Yeah, it was kind of shitty with editing. And that, that year, that year I started watching, we actually had an all South African final. It was the Bulls versus the Sharks in the final. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't like to talk about it. Let's just move on. Because it's still, <laughs> <laughs> it still hurts me until today. I've been there. I've been there. You, you know. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Ryan of Venom, oh, I hate him so much. <laughs> Wherever you are, Ryan. <laughs> He's one of our like six listeners. <laughs> it's yeah, it's 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 me, it's you, it's Nia, and it's Brian above. <laughs> That's our core demographic. Yeah, Just yeah. eating bulltong now, getting fat. I hope you're getting fat, Brian. Wherever you are. <laughs> he's, he's doing his research and he's figuring out which one of his opponents is slow on the turn. I don't have seen that fucking hand. Oh, man. Every single game at the World Cup, he was like, "Oh, I identified which one of my players slow on the turn." And you're like, "What?" <laughs> Just sell, just sell me whatever stock bullshit you it's have. Just, yeah. Well, well, yeah, yeah. Stage. So karma, whatever you promote. <laughs> oh, I had a Frenchman come to Oh, yeah. Freddie Michelin. Oh, Michelin. Oh, he, yeah. he what a, what a guy. For the Sharks. Oh, man. Again, nobody listens to so I'm free to say this. Like, he came to play for the Sharks for one season and one season only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And in that season, we won, like, our first cup in, like, 30 something years or whatever. Freddie Michelet got the, the winning, but you know when you play for the club, I don't know how it works here in Ireland, but there if you play for a provincial team, like yeah, yeah. for the Sharks, you have to select a club. Yeah, same here. Yeah. yeah. So you have to select a club. So he picked my hometown club, Jaguars. <laughs> so like he was up the road for me, but he didn't actually play any matches, but you have to be affiliated with a club yeah. in order to play. Yeah. So, and the story goes that he only picked the club that I, Right up the road from me, Jag was because he was really into a specific type of woman. <laughs> like, <laughs> we, won't, we won't unpack it from me, but I don't know. Maybe he was happily married at the time. I don't know. But, yeah. uh, but he's, he's French, it's all good. It's, it's all good, yeah. yeah. He was, uh, he, he, he was the Frenchest player ever. Yeah, bro, he was doing like underwear ads. Well, like at the time that he yeah, was no, he was a good looking man, yeah. Good, good, it was a sexy man, man. Like, yeah, I remember watching, I remember seeing like shampoo commercial with him in it, like. <laughs> when he's bald head in the shampoo commercial. <laughs> commercial <mode. laughs> now, is this shampoo or else? Like, what's oh, yeah. <laughs> it was either shampoo or like uh, juice, uh, one of those, like, for, um, He yeah. won the final for us, he won the cut a couple Yeah, he, he's a great player, yeah. tackle after the, yeah, the, the hooter. What do you call it, the horn? What do you all call it, Jeff? We, well, we have, we're in the past, we still call it the whistle. Oh, you call it the whistle? <laughs> the whistle. The whistle. Sorry, mate, it's actually the final whistle. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I, Freddie Mitchell actually went to Vietnam at one point. Um, he did like a TV, uh, like a documentary for like French TV. Where he went up to like the, the mountain up to the north, where he stayed with like Benji, uh, uh, like the ethnic minority tribe up there, like just like church, uh, chilling, whatever. And yeah, obviously people didn't people didn't know who who he was and what he did, but it was just like yeah. You know, <laughs> he just wanted to introduce himself. He was like, "Hello, I'm Ferry uh, Michalak. I have a international uh, rugby player." And imagine the tribes were like, "What? <laughs> Why do we care? Why do we care? You know, hey, hey, drink some uh, rice wine, you know." <laughs> You drink it through your nose. Isn't it? Why is the guy from the shampoo commercial here? <laughs> <laughs> and where's his hair? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh my god. I was thinking we should let's let's have a look at another question because yeah, we've sure. had a gorgeous time plowing through, plowing through all these um here's one have you ever told a rugby player a joke oh. <laughs> like i want to say like i've been doing comedy for a long time now, right mm -hmm. and like sometimes in doing comedy like you have these moments like where you go oh this is a, like the first time you do mm. the big club in the area where you where you live, yeah, yeah. Well, the first time you were on TV, like there's these milestones that you have for yourself. I I wouldn't know. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like anything can be a milestone. Like, and you feel like, oh, this is a moment. I got a call on a Thursday afternoon saying, "What are you doing later? Mm -hmm. Can you do half an hour of comedy for a private event? Can't give you more details than that." I said, "All right, what's the situation?" He says. Um, Look, we can't pay you any money. That's always when it comes to the we can't pay you any money. We can't pay you any money, but we promise you that we'll give you like a nice gift. But that's what they said. We can't pay you any money. That sounds like a scam. That sounds like yeah, a wild, yeah. like a cash in claw, <laughs> party box scam, right? <laughs> so you're like, yeah, yeah, we got, we got something for you, but it's not money in lieu of payment. Mm. But we can't discuss it with you unless if you have to say yes or no first. Yeah. So I said, sure, I'm cool. I'm there. And then when I get there, out, I meet the guy outside, Beverly Hills Hotel, like posh hotel in, in Durban, right? Mm -hmm. And I get there, and he's like, ah, you're doing rugby you're doing for the Crusaders. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking, the New Zealand Crusaders. The New Zealand Crusaders, like the rugby team, like fuck me. Like, <laughs> the whole team's inside there. Look, he's like, look, we're kind of at to, when rugby teams tour now, they don't allow them to kind of go out on the town anymore. There's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's, there's been some situations that have taken place over the years. So what they do is like when the rugby team's on tour, they just kind of book entertainment for them. Sure. Yeah. At the hotel where they stay. So for tonight, you're gonna do half an hour worth of comedy. Sweet. For the Crusaders team, and I went out there. And let me just be clear, I died horribly. Like. <laughs> I, I was supposed to do half an hour, I think I did maybe 11 minutes. Yeah, yeah. But the 11 minutes felt like five hours. You know, you're having one of those. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, only a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, but that, that 11 minutes is going to be the longest 11 minutes of your life. Yeah. <laughs> As you take a moment to go, oh, there's usually a laugh here. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always when you do the first one, because you think, right, I'm going to start off with something strong. Yeah. yeah. Gold, my solid gold material. And you do the first one, and the joke like just trickles out of your mouth and landed on the floor in front of you. And I was like, oh no. Oh no, this is going to be bad. It was bad, but they were so sound. Like, they, they didn't care. Mm. Like, that was the entertainment for the night. They're hanging out with me. And, like, I just sat there with them and we ate. They, were, they couldn't have any drinks or anything. Mm -hmm. So they were feeding me drinks. <laughs> they like, yeah, you, you go on. <laughs> so this is the payment. <laughs> no, they gave me a signed jersey, like the whole team. Oh, that's glass. Oh, very yeah, lovely, yeah. signed the jersey and even won a team jersey. When was this? Which team was this? Oh, I want to say 2018. I'm going to go back and check. Like, it wasn't that okay. long ago. Yeah, it was either 2017. Because 2017 or 2018, I'll, I'll go back and check again. I have the jersey. So, so like, Moanga has just come through the team, has he? Yeah. Sam Woodlock, oh. Kieran oh, Reed. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Stack, yeah. yeah. Stack. Where are the hitters? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's beautiful. I got to take pictures. I literally just hang out with them for the evening mm -hmm. after telling them jokes very, very badly. Like, I cannot stress how bad it was. 
Were any of them funnier than you were that night? Oh, they all! Like, and, and of course, obviously, as a night, they, they made sure to get a few digs in. But I didn't care. I was, just, I was yeah, like, yeah. with the Crusaders, you know? So that was a big moment for me. I really enjoyed that. Oh, man. Well, can you remember a joke that just didn't work, that you were like, this is like, they should work? Ordinarily. Ordinarily. Like, just would go down. Like, yes, I did some jokes about marijuana, specifically. And, I, oh. and they were looking at me like, we don't know what you're talking about. We live a clean, wholesome, nutritious life. Still legal in New Zealand, man. Still illegal. <laughs> yeah, like, honestly, like, I, I remember, I can almost remember my sets. I've got it in my notes. I save, I save every note from every show that I ever do. I save it. So I still have it in my notes somewhere. It's like, oh man, it was a disaster. But a lovely night for me. For them, yeah. not so much. I hope the food is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was the, uh, so who was... If, 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 do you think any of that? Who do you think would have been the funniest of the people you talked to of the of that Crusaders team? Sam Woodlock, and it was weird because he had this very, very like old man vibe about him. Oh yeah, like that kind of like a dad vibe, but like yeah, crossed arms and everything. He's had that since he was like <laughs> like twenty or something. I remember when he. I mean, that's, that's, that's the entire Whitelock family. Yeah. And he's like this very serious, quiet person, but then like you just jump in with like the low, like these low-level decibel. <laughs> Quips every now and again. Hilarious. Really hilarious. Like he's really, really funny in his own way. Kim Reed is a much bigger personality than you realize. Like he also seems like stoic. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. He's, he's the life of the party now. I find it difficult to think of any of the New Zealand rugby team being anything other than quiet. No, they're like, they're, they're, you know, the New Zealand stereotype of like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, like they all sound like Taika Waititi, you know, like, oh, yeah, bro, nice one here. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> oh, nah. there was an all right set there, bro. Bro, bro, bro. I, I mean, the fact Play that they stopped from being outside activities like, tells you that they're not to have a good time. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> wonder your set didn't go well. These guys are like, fucking Durban, let's go. <laughs> and now we have a comedian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's all you get to do is dive back to your rooms. And then I went to the shopping center, uh, the Gateway shopping center the next day. And like some of the younger, like the guys that travel with the team but don't necessarily play. Mm -hmm. And they saw me on the escalators and they shouted, hey, funny man! <laughs> <laughs> and they remembered even the night before, they were like, come over here. And then we ended up having a whole basketball conversation. Because oh, one yeah. of them was wearing a Stephen Adams jersey. Yeah. He's a New Zealand guy that plays for the, for the, he played for the Thunder. I think at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they I think, yeah, there was this thing about a New Zealand rugby player wearing a basketball jersey for some reason. Every, I don't know, like, every time I see, like, I, I watch something where, like, every time you see, like, New Zealand rugby players going out into town, they just wear basketball jerseys. Oh, I feel like nothing else fits them or something. Basketball is huge in New Zealand. But I think they're, yeah, the it is, yeah. they're one of the few sports teams that you're allowed to show up to training in your own jersey. Like, whatever jersey you want. Like, Bo oh, Byron always okay. shows up in. Man United jerseys, whereas like I think a Leinster player would be like hand drawn and quartered if they showed up in something that wasn't cast away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, that's uh, I think in terms of telling jokes to rugby players, it is always so, like I don't know if you if you had any run-ins with the Irish ones. Like I, I made a small quip at Stuart McCloskey before, and I realised that he was big enough to throw me through a wall if he didn't yeah. laugh. And uh, he it was it was the most. <laughs> Do you know when you just say a line that you're like. All this is worth is a polite smile or even just ignoring it. And he looked at me and went, That's funny. And I went about my day. Yeah. I was kind of like, That's the last time I speak to someone. Yeah, I, um, I got heckled uh, when I did uh, <clears throat> when I uh, did my set in front of like all my teammates back in Saigon. 
Whereas, and the thing is, the guys that were heckling me were South Africans. Oh, were they on you? They were there because I did, you know, I did my, the whole bit about like how uh, people congratulated me for being Japanese after they beat South Africa in the 2015 World Cup. All right, well, there's a topic to talk to about South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was just like, because when I told that joke, and you, know, the, you imagine all these, the, all these African guys, they were like, bro, no, no, don't go there, bro. Don't go, don't you go there, don't you go there. And that was the opening match, too, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it was the second match of the day. Second match. Sorry, second, second match, match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was a disastrous match. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they did make the semi afterwards, so, so everything was everything. Yeah, everything you guys was came third. When we lost to South Africa, we went home and had an inst- like had a like national crisis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so just a last one. We were doing a gig at a place called Chilera in Windermere Road, mm-hmm. and even it's a bit that just signed for the Sharks at the time. Oh, class! And they came out to the comedy show. And it was him and Keegan Daniel who was playing oh. for the team at that time, right? And they were sitting in the front. Now, I don't know if you've seen Ibn Etzebit on TV in real life. I've seen him in real life. Oh, you seen him? Well, I saw him at the Ireland-South Africa game, and he's big from far away. He's big from yeah. far away. Yeah, it's not real. It's not yeah. Do you know that old, like, Father Ted meme of, like, small, far away? <laughs> yeah. He's big from far away. Yeah. That guy is a fucking monster. So imagine him folding himself up to come sit in the front row of a comedy show, right? Just minding his own business, having a yeah. nice time up. And the host is my friend, Jim Atkins, right? Jim Atkins wouldn't be able to tell you the difference between a rugby ball and a tennis ball. Like he, yeah. he does not have anything to do with sports at all on that, right? Yeah. So I'm standing in the back, I'm coming on first and he's the host and he comes out and he's like, hey, what's happening people? And he's, he says to Ibn Yitzhak, oh my God. <laughs> he says, you're a big man. <laughs> Jesus, you're a big fucker. He says, you're a big man. And he says, what do you do for a living? Now Ibn Yitzhak, thinks, ah, this guy's fucking around here. Yeah, he's fucking with me. So he says, like quickly or whatever, accountant. Right? <laughs> so Keegan Daniel, who's a regular sized human being, is sitting there like <laughs> It's good to clarify here. Yeah. Oh, especially next to Ibn Yetubi, right? Oh Jesus Christ, the man's a mountain buddy. So he says to Keegan Daniels, Do you know him? And he says yes. He says, Why have you not told him to get into rugby or basketball or something? <laughs> so these are two South African players at the moment. And he's telling him, why don't you why don't you tell him to get into rugby or basketball? And I am standing in the wings there trying to whistle at that. I'm like, I have to, I'm like, stop! I don't know what to say because he is digging a hole for because the whole crowd knows what's going on yeah, here, right? Yeah. And all of them think that he's joking. Because mm. everybody at the side has been like, oh, even it's a bit in the ground, you know? Yeah. yeah. And he's sitting in the bathroom and he's like, oh my God. Because the crowd is starting to realize that he doesn't know. I thought must be so fucking humbling for her. Oh, <laughs> like, so like, watch him and he says, and you ask him, and he says to him, he said, you look like a shit Victor Matfield. <laughs> Oh! Boom! Roasted! <laughs> and when he says that, like the mood in the room changed. Oh, did it, did it like go like, oh fuck. You know, everybody in the room like felt like, why would you say yeah, that kind of a thing, right? And that was when I literally had to go on stage and tell him, Jim, no. <laughs> I'll explain later. Just, just leave it. Just leave it. Yeah, that was he lit. Man had no idea who that was. Did you get to do a set in front of uh, Edsworth? I did. Did, you work it out? did go out? To be fair, oh, did go yeah. out? Yeah. I mean, uh, as long he as seems he nice. He is nice, yeah. You didn't call him a shit back, he's both, you probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I should have ran the fuck. No, I left him well alone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like that's just good survival instinct. <laughs> oh, he didn't take, like when he said that to him, like he was really upset. 
Oh, you would be because that's kind of like mm. he probably is like, why is this guy fucking razzing me? Like, I, yeah, I'm fucking into that. <laughs> you know, as a comedian, like this weird thing as comedians, like some people are so confrontational, like you want to get in people's faces, mm. but like audience members just want to watch a show. Yeah, yeah. For the most part, they just want to watch a show. They don't mind the odd back and forth. Like mm. as much as we don't like Eclis, like nobody wants to come to a show. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like Jim, Jim's a professional really really good comedian yeah in the moment he just genuinely didn't know and he just thought he's having a more and you could see him being confused like what's happening yeah, like, why are you not finding this funny <laughs> i like how he was probably going jesus these jokes are going down really, yeah. really well <laughs> who's that rugby player i remember yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. that's it yeah oh, so like do you think that the south african rugby team would take a job better than the new zealand rugby team Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> the Tri-Nation. <laughs> Four Nation. That's unfair because, like, in a, if it was a South African rugby team and you knew what was going on, it'd be much yeah. easier to make them laugh. Mm. Yeah. Because New Zealanders, I don't know what's their sense of humor. Like, what's yeah, the kind yeah. of thing that they would mm. find funny? I mean, fly up the concourse. That's their sense of humor. Fly to the concourse. I hate that show. <laughs> I tried twice to watch it now. I don't get it. Oh my god, I fucking love it, man. It's like, oh. Let me, you know what, the podcast winding down now. Where was this thing can be offended? You know what it is? It's like Father Ted. I feel like it's one of those things that, like, okay. you saw it when yeah. it came out, like, it's culturally important to you. Yeah. But in a vacuum, like, on its own, like, trying to watch it back now, I'm kind of like, I I don't get why you guys find it so funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I just, I, I don't know how you managed to offend both the people of Ireland and New Zealand. <laughs> And one, and one foul oh, swoop. Like. Bro, I promise you, Flight of the Concords, Father Ted. There's these shows that I go back to now. And I'm like, I, like listen, I'm, so, I'm sure it was good like, when it came out. But like now, I love Hardy Parks. I love Gary Girls. Like, yeah, not, yeah, yeah. The issue is not the content. It's, I don't know the issues. Like, but like Father Ted. Father Ted, see, I think like... Bar the fucking writer being a complete psycho off the thing. Oh yeah. my man, Graham. Yeah, he just, he just that hurt me because I do like IT crowd. Oh yeah. But again, yeah. your man's a, he's just he somehow thinks he can win the argument and his wife will come back to him despite being a complete freak for so long. Anywho, that's a separate fucking podcast. Yeah. And, mm. uh, with it, with with Father Ted, right? Father Ted, in terms of like the fucking ditzy priest and something, is very. Yeah, that's very Irish. Like that. Sure. It makes like the joke still sit for us. I think, but, but like Flight of the Concords, like it's just straight up silly. Yeah. Like I, 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 man, I look. Listen, I think the best way to get into the Flight of the Concords is almost to like not watch it as a TV show, but watch like the songs because the songs are. When hilarious. they did that song where my man was a robot, like that was like right in the beginning. Like that was another first mm-hmm. episode. I was like, okay, I'm done. Like I'm out. Like this is the point where I'm. Have like, you I'm Have out. you listened to the Hip Hop Apotamus song? No. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me to do it, so I'm do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I will say, right, if you wanna if you wanna get into it because it's like any fucking comedy show, the first two episodes are gonna be a bit difficult. Yeah. Because uh, they're still trying to find their sound, but my god man, the songs of that show are so fucking funny. Like I like I'll give it another sweep. Yeah. And oh uh, what's it? It's uh, it's uh Thursday night where there's a whole song about this guy. Uh, only has sex on Thursdays, which is <laughs> particularly fantastic. I'll have a look. <laughs> yeah. Like we are kind of we are reaching a winding down point here as we have you know burned through all the culture of all the people. And your mom's <laughs> calling you as well. And so. my mom is calling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna just go ahead and ignore that. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, no, I like uh, South African. Obviously, you know, there's a, a lot of my good friends are like uh, South African comedians, you know, like, um, you know, Devin, you remember Devin Gray? You do? Oh, yes. Yeah, killing yeah, you it. You met him before you even came here, right? Yeah, I met him back in back in Vietnam. He, he did a set here in Dublin like a couple months ago. And uh, I think he's back in Asia now. Yeah, even uh, even people like, you know, Trevor Noah and those. Uh, those types. Sure. And so, you know, there's a, there's a wealth of like African com uh, comedians. You could tell because the country has been through like so much shit in the past decades or so. You obviously you you gotta make jokes about that. What's uh, what's, uh, what's what's around you? Yeah, like even um, no, because it's like the, just the the accent has a particular <laughs> twang to it. You know, it's just like it, it sounds rough and tough, but you make a joke, it just it it just bites harder. I like Devin. Devin is a great comedian and a nice person, but he doesn't know this, and we won't get into it because this is a rugby podcast. But he was once at the storm of one of the biggest arguments that ever took place in South African comedy, and he still doesn't know it. If I'm gonna see him next time, I have to tell him that story. <laughs> 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 he doesn't even know. <laughs> uh, Devin, uh, listen to this podcast, okay? <laughs> listen to this podcast, and we'll never address whatever that comes. <laughs> just, just, just leave it there, hang it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To be continued. To be continued. <laughs> to be continued. Because that's what you want in a rugby podcast. A lot of South African tea just being spilled and no one's going to know why. You know. It's, uh, it's like the MCU, you know. It's like... <laughs> yeah, you've got to, yeah, listen for the bonus content. I don't <laughs> post credit scene, yeah. <laughs> um, so, Neil, if people are looking to find you uh, what should we be what, what should, how, how can we find you and what should we be looking out for oh uh, well um, on the Dublin comedy scene very much it's nice we're sitting here uh, we're recording this live from Sinead hey and this is the first place I ever did first place I ever did comedy I love doing comedy so the most meaningful thing anybody that's listening can do is come out and see me at a show like I really really love doing comedy so come out in any show that I'm doing preferably Sinead this is my home this is my home mm. ground but anyway that I'm kicking, you can see where I'm kicking uh, at Neil Green Comedian on Instagram. Irish people love Instagram, bro. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. mm. yeah I like that. Like, you've, you've met us, set up their offices up the road, and you said, fuck, we're not doing any other social media. People phone me on Instagram. Who phones someone on Instagram? <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> Facebook is exclusively for uh, finding your answer accidentally reposting memes that make no sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Accident yeah, Facebook has just become this thing where your, your aunt will accidentally share someone's profile picture instead of like it. Uh, <laughs> So Instagram, Instagram has two functions, right? It, it's what all comedians have to use, and also it gives men the, it gives a lot of uh, men the, the the illusion of being smooth as they laugh, oh. react to every girl's story, and they're like, yeah, man, she's definitely gonna, she's gonna see me as one of these different guys. So I think that's why it's so popular. <laughs> yeah, well, find me on there. It's yeah. so, you yeah, have a weird cultural affinity for Instagram, and I like that you explain it like that, because, yeah. like, I literally be talking to someone, like, yeah, just give me your number, like, a phone number, and then, no, 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 no. I'll get hold of you on Instagram. Like, yeah. <laughs> number something, like, that's, that's intimate, man. That's intimate. Someone's got yeah. your phone number, I mean, like, all of those digits? Come on. Yeah, yeah. What's shot? What's your number? Now what's shot? Yeah, come check me out there. That'll be cool. Then. Thanks again for having me. Well, thanks so much for doing it. Thanks so much for like again, Nia. We are going to eventually get the tech setup done the first time round. And uh, <laughs> listen, yeah, we will add your hand. Fuck it, show it. We will add the handle into the show notes. And we will obviously tag in Eric. Neil, you've been a fucking dream. Thanks so much for coming out. 
be sure uh, again be sure to like follow us and we're uh, for all of our comedians that we have on all of our dates that we're doing ourselves and everything else give us a like give us a follow I don't know what else are you going to do with your fucking Instagram time you can send that girl a lap react some other time. <laughs> yeah and uh, don't forget never stop trying never stop trying times oh. <laughs> Woo!